You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and environment. Max and I thank you for joining us. We dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Today's guest is Tim Phillips, co-founder of Animal Defenders International. Listeners will remember when Tim last appeared on Awesome Advocates with his wife Jane Kramer when they discussed their documentary film, Lion Ark, and the work they are doing to end the use of wild and exotic animals in circuses. Tim is here to discuss two topics that are deep interest to Animal Advocate. The first topic is the horrific findings from an investigation ADI has made about monkeys that are supplied to the U.S. for experiments and laboratories. The second topic that we'll discuss today is a historic bill that was recently introduced in Congress by Congressman Jim Moran of Virginia to end the use of wild animals in traveling circuses. We'll meet Tim in a moment, but first we need to take a break to hear from the great sponsors who help make Max A. Pooch's awesome animal advocates possible. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, and our guest today is Tim Phillips of Animal Defenders International. Welcome back to Awesome Advocates, Tim. It's a pleasure to be back again, and, and thanks for sort of alerting people to these issues that we care so much about. Well, it really sounds if you and Jan and your colleagues have been very busy since you were last on the show talking about the film Lion Ark. Ah, yes. It's, it's sort of really intense at the moment, working on several different continents. I think it's, I think these are exciting times for animals where, where change is, is within our grasp. And so, you know, the work is really intensifying. But I, I genuinely believe we're starting to make progress, not in, not in all areas, unfortunately, but, uh, but in several at the moment. Well, you know, I was really struck by the media release that ADI uh, uh, recently uh, let out about the undercover investigation that filmed the horrific treatment of monkeys at Biodia, Republic of Mauritia Monkey Factory Farm. 
This monkey breeding farm supplies U.S. laboratories, and it's possible, according to your release, that they will begin the shipment of monkeys to a new breeding farm in Florida. Could you briefly share with us some of the treatment your investigators found at the uh, Mauritian monkey factory farm? Yes, I mean, some of the footage is, is truly harrowing. People can, can watch it and see for themselves on, our, on the ADI website, www.ad-international.org. But what you see in this is incredibly brutal treatment of these sensitive, intelligent animals. You've got monkeys being swung by the tails by the workers to control them. You've got mothers being having their babies torn from them, desperately trying to cling on to these tiny infants. And the mothers are screaming and having their arms pinned behind their backs. We showed baby monkeys being... Um, dragged from their mothers, I mean, really tiny babies, and just being pinned down and tattooed with the numbers that will identify them in the laboratories. It really is very harrowing footage. And I think what the most shocking thing is, is how casually it's all happening. This isn't something where someone's losing their temper. This is the routine day-to-day treatment of these animals, and it's a brutal existence. And coincidentally, we've just exposed another of these Mauritian suppliers with their field station operating base in Spain, and you've got exactly the same behavior. So this is behavior that's endemic in these dealers supplying these monkeys to laboratories all over the world, including here in the U.S. And what we've discovered is that this particular one, where the the most horrific scenes were by Odea, are planning and have already broken ground to build a huge facility in Florida to hold these monkeys and ship them to laboratories. And really, we want to alert people. We want to try and stop these cruel experiments on monkeys. Now, where is the Republic of Mauritius? Is that an island? It's an island just off the east coast of Africa, out there in the Indian Ocean. And they've got... Macaque monkeys were artificially introduced there years and years ago, and they bred on the island, and now they're indigenous to the island. And what happens is these factory farms, they they claim to be breeding monkeys, but what they're doing in reality is whenever their breeding stocks drop, or if they need more monkeys, they just go and tear them out of the wild. So that's another sort of terrifying for the animals part of this whole equation of these dealers, which on the other side of the world, supply monkeys in laboratories here in the U.S. You know, you were talking about the animals being sensitive, and they are primates, and so that really in itself is horrific treatment. And I'd like you to discuss a little bit about what you think the treatment does as far as the humans are concerned in desensitizing them to the feelings not only of animals but perhaps of people. I I think that the point that ADI makes is that if we start to defend the weakest and most vulnerable in our society, then we all benefit. And if you've got an industry like this, which is so casual about suffering and is so casual about life, then you cannot trust them to be doing things in the best interests of, of the public. And I think it's a classic example of an industry which has slowly got out of control. And in America, there's, there's a huge problem here with the, with the use of primates in laboratories. If you think about Europe, which is a similar-sized population, it's got a similar-sized pharmaceutical industry, in some respects a more successful pharmaceutical industry, 
And they, in Europe, roughly 10,000 monkeys are being used per year. In the United States, 70,000 monkeys are being used per year. So this, this is an industry which has slowly crept out of control where people are just casually using these animals when they really don't need to. There's, there's alternatives to these animals being used in experiments, being developed all the time, and they're simply not being implemented. Yeah, that's interesting because um, what are the alternatives? Uh, because, you know, I, I think some scientists will claim that they need to have the primates because they're close to humans and use that as the argument. But you, you're saying there's alternatives. Do you have any examples, Tim? Yes, there's a lot of them. Now, now obviously, if you're going to use primates or any other laboratory animals, the big problem is they're not humans. So they are going to react differently, and the best you can do is get a rather vague approximation. The worst that happens is that it's disastrously inaccurate. And before I move to the alternatives, I'll give an example of that. There was this test drug called TGN1412. They gave it to patients, and within minutes they had catastrophic organ failure. They had uh, a huge immune response, people's limbs swelled up and went black and people had afterwards had to have toes and fingers amputated because of the damage. It was an actual life-threatening drug. Monkeys had previously been given that drug in doses 500 times stronger than the people. So that's how inaccurate they can be, these tests, even in primates. Now that drug, if you tested it using modern techniques, and what we say is, let's move ourselves to testing in ways that use human-based systems. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean testing on people. That means using tissue cultures, organ cultures, examining things which are human-based, human skin models, and so forth. And a way of doing these tests for these new compounds and drugs which are going to be tested in people is to use a test called microdosing. And that involves giving tiny, tiny safe doses of a drug to human volunteers and then the samples of blood, urine, other tissues are taken and they're examined using the very latest in analytical techniques. There's actually a technique called accelerator mass spectrometry which could actually identify a liter of a liquid that was poured into an ocean. It's that sensitive and then from that you can extrapolate where that's going to go in people, how it's going to affect them. Now, there's just been a, recently a Europe-wide trial of that, and it was 80-plus percent accurate in predicting how drugs affect, react in people. Now, you compare that to animal tests, which are well under 60% predictive and often less than 50% predictive, and you've already got a test there which could be moved forward for people. And you've got to remember these monkey tests come right at the end of hundreds, even thousands of other animal tests. And often, the human trials are, continue, are already in play whilst the monkey tests are being done. They're being done out of a matter of routine, much more than they're actually needed. And we need to shake up the regulators and say, come on, let's get the tests in place which are going to protect animals and are going to be far, far better for people. You're saying that it's an outdated protocol that still requires or seemingly requires them to use primates. And if they'd update their protocols, they re the use of primates would drop dramatically? Oh, it would very, very dramatically. I mean, here in the U.S., 
a huge number of primates, I mean tens and tens of thousands, are simply not being used when there are no legal requirements to do so. I think that realistically the US should very quickly be moving to the numbers of primates that the European Union is using. Now that would slash the number of primates being here, here by sort of 50 or 60,000 a year. I mean an enormous drop. So it's a combination of inertia within the science industry and inertia amongst regulators. But as our footage shows, these animals are paying a terrible, terrible price for that. You said that, uh, okay, they're, they're out in, on an island east of Africa, and they're either bred there or the babies are ripped from their mothers. How do they get from Africa to, say, the United States? They're shipped usually, shipped on aircraft, so it's a very, very long journey. And these particular monkeys, the Cinemolgus macaques, it's a subspecies of the macaque monkey, react particularly badly to travel. We've had investigators inside laboratories who've seen these monkeys arriving in the packing crates, and they're, they're often very frightened. They've often injured themselves, and it's a very traumatic experience. They're one of the species that reacts particularly badly to travel. And if you can imagine this journey, you're sort of torn away from your family group, you're bundled, arms pinned behind your back into a small box. There's a, a tiny little slit at the front of this box that lets in daylight. You're taken to the airport. You've now been in this box several hours. You're put into the hold of the aircraft and it all goes dark. And that's where you stay for probably 13 hours on the flight to the United States. Then suddenly there's a blinding light coming in through this slit in the box. You're pulled out and you're going to go onto a crate and then finally you're taken to the destination which is a laboratory which is likely to be indoors you've probably seen daylight for the very last time and you come out of this crate and at some point in the next weeks you'll be strapped into a chair and have products forced down your throat i mean it really is a terrible brutal existence the only commercial airline that is still shipping these monkeys is Air France. So we're calling on people to boycott Air France. Every other commercial airline has said, no, we won't do it. They're on Air France. So are you saying that uh, I could be sitting in the passenger area and the monkeys could be uh, being shipped uh, and being carried down in the cargo hold? Is that that's what you're exactly, saying? That's exactly what could be happening. And the other airlines have taken the decision that they don't want to be part of this trade, that it involves far too much suffering. And so we're saying don't travel by Air France until they take a stance too. I guess not travel and then perhaps even um, if our listeners wanted to uh, voice their displeasure to Air France, would you think that would be useful? They can definitely do that. On our Facebook, we regularly put posts up there and on the website ad-international.org where you can contact Air France, send them a polite message saying, I'm not going to travel on your airline. Also, when you're booking on another airline, why not let them know that you're going with them because they don't carry monkeys for vivisection? It's not all negative on this. It's about supporting the people who are taking a positive and ethical stand. Those methods can be very, very forceful. There's a, an organization, Candy, C-A-N-D-I, that helps draw attention to um, 
bad conditions for animals in um, third world countries and puts pressures on those countries to uh, work uh, and improve conditions and ask tourists to uh, boycott if um, the things don't change. And uh, it's been very powerful action for these groups. So I would really urge our listeners to uh, do likewise because it's, it's quite effective. Tim, we need to take a break right now. But when we return, I want to talk to you a bit about the recent legislation that's been reduced by uh, Representative Jim Moran, the Democratic congressman from uh, Virginia regarding traveling circuses. But first, a uh, word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful, bagless, upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Day. Dyson, music to your ears. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are here for you. We're trying to make life with your pets even better. I know that's hard to believe. It can it even be better than it is, and hopefully it's fantastic already. The goal here is to answer your questions, help you out with your problems, anything you really wanted to know, but maybe you're afraid to ask your veterinarian, or maybe it was just too expensive to go to your veterinarian just to ask a few simple things. So that's what you got me for here at uh, Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Call in. We'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, with today's guest, Tim Phillips of Animal Defenders International. Tim, when you last appeared on Episode 26 of Awesome Advocates, we learned about the work ADI is doing in trying to stop traveling circuses from using exotic and wild animal acts. Can you bring us up to date what's happening regarding your efforts and tell us a bit about the recent legislation introduced in the U.S. Congress by Representative Jim Moran of Virginia. Okay, well, this is a campaign that has tremendous momentum now. I think that even since um, being on your program, the El Salvador and Panama have banned the use of wild animals in circuses, and Colombia's banned the use of wild animals in circuses. Belgium's very, very recently banned the use of wild animals in circuses. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jan led a delegation to the British Prime Minister who said that, yes, Great Britain is definitely going to do this and ban the use of wild animals in circuses. So really, this is an issue which people are really coming to terms with and saying we should not have wild animals living in these temporary facilities which so restrict their movements and behaviours for almost the entire year. And the United States has rather slipped behind on this issue. As you say, last week, Congressman Jim Moran introduced the Travelling Exotic Animal Protection Act, and that will, if passed, prohibit the use of 
wild animals and exotic animals in traveling circuses right across the United States. So it's a really important piece of legislation and would end a huge amount of suffering here in the United States. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid and I went to the Ringling Brothers Circus and I, I saw the lions and tigers and, you know, and all the fanfare and, you know, naively, I thought they were happy. I mean, you know, the elephants looked happy, you know, they came running out and everything, but they're not very happy, are they? No, it's a terrible existence and it's one where really endemic violence and cruelty to these animals has, has been exposed, not just here in the United States, but around the world. And there are reasons for that. No other animals have to live in temporary accommodation for the, the entire year. And that's what this legislation is about. These animals have to live in pens or in cages that fit on the backs of the trucks every week when they move from one place to the other. These animals are forced to travel on a weekly basis, something which is known to be stressful for the majority of animals and certainly wild animals. It's stressful for humans. <laughs> it is indeed. And being restricted and kept in small places and most of these animals don't have grass beneath their feet for the majority of the year. You know, they're in parking lots, in, in entertainment centers. And it's not just that they're living like that for the week that you see them when they come to your town. They're living like that the next week, in the next place, and the week after that. So these animals are, are severely restricted for 9, 10, 11 months of the year when they're traveling with these circuses. And that brings about a lot of other problems as well. It's not an accident that so much footage has been caught by our investigators inside these places with animals being physically abused. It's part of the circumstances because if you've got animals in temporary accommodation and you've got to move them about a lot and you've got to make them do silly tricks and you've got to get them from a parking lot into the big tops as quickly as possible, then there's going to be lots more physicality with those animals, especially when they're dangerous animals. And that's why you see in these American circuses the use of stun guns to shock the elephants and keep them moving. You see the use of these bullhook devices to hit and beat the animals. And the same with the lions and tigers. When you see lions and tigers come galloping enthusiastically into the room, it's often because someone backstage has got a metal bar giving the tunnel they're coming down a whack at the same time. So it's a grim existence for these animals. All right, let me ask you about this. You mentioned lions and tigers. The fact that you ha might have six seven, eight, maybe a dozen big cats, maybe perhaps a lot of them males, all in the same small cage at the same time. It's not really a very natural kind of existence, is it? I mean, that would have really have to be very stressful, I would think. Oh, very much so. There's all sorts of stresses that you don't realize when you um, walk around the circus. There's these animals which naturally wouldn't be that close to each other, especially the tigers that are being forced to live on top of each other. But you can imagine what it's like for the zebras who are tied up in front of these 
lions and tigers. I mean, it's very traumatic for them. And they just become subdued because it happens to them week after week after week after week. It doesn't mean it's less stressful. If you see these lions and tigers, you'll often see them repeatedly pacing about because they can't get the exercise and the space that they really need. You never get to see a, a tiger or a lion in, in circus conditions gallop at full speed because you need about 100 meters to see that happen. And you see these elephants that are chained up every night. They have a chain put on the front leg and the back leg. They can barely move. And even if that's just overnight, that's generally about 12 hours of being totally immobilized. It's a terrible torture for these animals. And that's why you see these elephants bobbing their heads, developing these stereotypic behaviors, shifting on their feet. You can imagine how uncomfortable it is being forced to stand in the same position at the same time. So these animals start to get arthritis, they start to get muscle wastage. They're being damaged by the very environment that they're being kept in. As you talk, I just I hadn't thought about things like just the confinement, not being able to move for maybe 12 hours. That's just horrendous. Now, about how many other countries have banned the use of exotic and wild animals in circuses? It's about 27 now that have either got full bans. I mean, three countries around the world now, uh, Greece, Bosnia, and Bolivia, ban all animals in circuses because they say, any animal is going to suffer in that kind of traveling environment. So it's about 27 now that have, have banned either all animals, wild animals, or very specific species. I have a question, and this bill, if it's passed, is it just circuses? Because I'll give you an example. There's an a, a autumn event near where I live, and, you know, it's pumpkins for the kids and all this stuff. But they also have an exhibit with Siberian tigers. Now, these tigers don't perform, but they're only there for a week, and I'm sure then they go on to someplace else. Will this legislation also be beneficial to animals in those conditions? It would probably be beneficial to those animals, because there's certain acts like that, including bears and lions and tigers and, and even elephant rides that constantly tour around these shows and fairs. What it does is it targets the most egregious aspects of this industry, and that is the constant traveling and therefore the constant keeping in temporary accommodation. So it limits the time that these people are allowed to go on the road. Now, would a zoo, for example, be allowed to take an animal to show it at a school classroom? Or would a sanctuary be allowed to do that? Yes, it would, as long as it didn't constantly tour that animal doing it. It says you cannot keep these animals on the road for certain periods. Interesting. Interesting. Now, how can our listeners, and, and what can they do to support this bill? Can they go to your website? Is there an area there that tells more about it? Or uh, should they contact Representative Moran's office or what? Uh, they can do all of those things. So if they go to ad-international.org, they'll be able to keep in touch with all of Animal Defenders International campaigns. But if they go to stopcircussuffering.com, what you'll find there is a way of finding the email address of your name member of Congress. There's potential draft emails. You can either write your own email or you can take information from Animal Defenders International. 
so you can get involved in that way. We would urge people to get in touch with us so that they can get in touch with their members of Congress. We're like your program, Awesome Animal Advocates. We're about empowering people to get out there and make a difference for animals. And people would be surprised just how much power they've got on this issue. In 27 countries already, people like your listeners have got in touch with their representatives and they've got these laws through. And it can happen here in the United States too. And it can be a slow process. People have got to be dogged. People have got to stick with it. But if they do those things, they get in touch with their members of Congress, make sure their voice is heard. If they don't want to see these elephants living in chains, these tigers living in small cages in the back, on the backs of trucks, and they don't want to see these animals being beaten just to make them do stupid tricks, then get in touch and get involved because together we can stop it. And a lot of it's just awareness, isn't it? Because, you know, as a kid, I didn't think anything was wrong with that. It just looked great. But then, you know, something happened sometime in my life. I became more aware that, hey, this isn't really right. And I guess it's just creating that awareness. I shouldn't say just, but uh, that's an important aspect. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I think definitely. I think that sometimes people see things at a glance and they they will perhaps go to the circus show at their local arena and they'll see these elephants behind an electric tape and they'll they'll see that the the paddock they're in is very small and it's got a bit of hay on the ground and they'll think oh well they're only in that for a week but they're not they're in an enclosure like that all of the time and they're standing on asphalt or concrete and it's just got this scattering of of hay on top which will really make no difference to this huge animal when it's standing on it all the time. It's effectively standing on concrete. And so it's, it's making people see beyond the sort of superficial gloss that the circus tries to put on this and see that, no, this isn't acceptable, not in this day and age. We can see animals on television. We can see animals at zoos and safari parks. We don't need them to be being trucked around all of the time in these traveling shows. That's really, you know, I, I think so important because, again, we make assumptions that they're being cared for well and, and everything. Those assumptions just aren't right. Hey, Tim, as you know, I ask each of my guests this question, and that is, with all the human misery and suffering in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and resources advocating for animals? Well, I think that it, it is an absolutely vital part in how our society grows and Compassion, whether it's for the elderly, for children, or for animals, is a vital part of our society improving and becoming less violent. It's as Mahatma Gandhi once said, the greatness of a nation is determined by the way it treats its animals. And if we say to ourselves, we're going to protect the weakest and most vulnerable in our society, and we will not hurt them, then we all benefit from that. None of us are disenfranchised by protecting the weakest. We all gain from that protection if we ever need it. And so this is a way of moving society forward, of, of evolving and saying that violence, cruelty, not caring are unacceptable things in our society. And I want to be living in a society which is more compassionate to all because I may need that one day. So we all benefit from that. There, there is no loss of rights when you give animals rights. 
That's really interesting. And I don't think I've heard it said that way, but uh, you're absolutely right. What do we lose as far as rights if we think about those uh, monkeys being shipped uh, and used in experiments? All we've done is made things better for some poor baby monkeys that uh, otherwise will lead a terrible and violent life. I quite agree. And it's often said how serial killers or people who are violent towards other people and abusive, they are cruel to animals too. And in fact, they begin their life of cruelty by being cruel to animals. And so there is a parallel to be drawn. And and if we stand up for what is right, whether it affects us individually or not, then we are building a better society for ourselves. Tim, again, the time goes so fast when you're on. I mean, what you're doing is incredible work. Can you tell our listeners where they can get more information, your website and your Facebook page? Uh, yeah, we've got um, Animal Defenders International. If you type that in, you will find our Facebook page. If you go to www.ad international.org, you can find our Facebook, our Twitter feed, all of those things. Uh, we're working for animals all over the world. There's always things happening, always things you can help with. I mean, only tonight, Jan and myself will be flying down to Peru to begin work with the authorities there to enforce the ban that we secured on the use of wild animals in circuses. So that's going to be a huge operation. We're calling for donations for that, for people to help. And we hope to bring all of the animals to sanctuaries here in the United States. Well, keep us updated on that because uh, I think one thing that makes your organization so incredible is you're from a start to finish. And by that, I mean you do the investigation, you call attention, you work to get the legislation done, and then you take care of you know, as in the case of Lion Ark and in the case of what you're doing now in Peru, you're taking care of the animals that are affected and impacted by the legislation and the change. So that's just incredible. And please say hello to Jan Force and tell her Max I. Pooch gives you and all your ADI colleagues five big tail wagging wolves for the great job you guys are doing. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. And perhaps we can do a special Maxo Pooch broadcast from, from this rescue operation when it's underway later in the year. That'd be great. I want to thank you, our listeners, for spending your valuable time with us. You are all fantastic, and I hope you tell your friends about Awesome Advocates. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying so long until we meet again. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.